Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. It's been a little while since we've had an episode where a guest came in and taught us something about a food from their culture, or or something that includes a specific kind of tool for the consumption of that food. Uh, So I'm really, really excited about today's episode about mate, which is a type of drink uh, from South America, and uh, also really excited about our guest today. Our guest, Yab, is uh, a longtime friend of the show and uh, actually lived with us for the month of June (laughs) while he was in between apartments, and uh, he brought in a special cup that is like the traditional cup to drink mate out of and i'm going to post a picture of that on our show's instagram page so you can see it uh it's very cool and it was really neat to like get that kind of cultural exchange and that little sort of cultural education about what this drink is what it means where it's from how to drink it how to prepare it uh so i hope that you find this episode really really interesting really fascinating uh for me at least to get to dive into this sort of stuff uh from that kind of angle because a lot of the time when we do these episodes I'm like pretty well versed on the thing that we're talking about Uh, and this one really was kind of me getting an opportunity to learn and I love learning I love getting those little opportunities so uh, I hope you love this as well we're gonna get straight into it all right, today's guest is Gab Chernitsky, longtime friend and patron of the show. Gab is an improviser, writer, director, and physics teacher here in Montreal. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, yeah, thank you, Tom, for having me here. I'm glad to be back on the studio. It's been a while. It's been, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you were you were here virtually or remotely for Munch Madness. That's right. But in person, I think it's been like four or five years, which is mm-hmm. absolutely wild because like... I don't feel like I've been podcasting for that long, but I've been doing this for seven years. So. Oh, wow. Lucky seven, hey? Yeah, which means we've known each other for about six, because I think we met like around the end of the first year. That's right. Yeah, May 2016, we took an improv class together. And then everything else changed. That's right. When the Fire Nation attacked. That's it. That's it. Well, speaking of the Fire Nation, um, I don't know what I mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> You're from the Fire Nation originally. Right. Yeah. You are, in fact, the Lord of the Fire Nation. Is that right? Uh, yes, it was my father, but then we had an Agni Kai, and I managed to defeat him in honorable combat. So here I am. Okay. Well, perfect. Um, <laughs> well, at the start of every episode of the show, you know, because you listen, because you're a patron at patreon.com slash no bad food pod, there's our plug. You know that at the start of the show, you know? And by that, I mean, I always get my guests to tell me a little bit about you know, who they are, what they grew up eating, where they grew up eating it, who they grew up eating it with, and uh, how that has sort of changed or not changed over time. So tell me about yourself and food. Well, growing up in, I grew up in Argentina until I was 11. So in 2003, we moved to Winnipeg, Manitoba. And growing up in Argentina, you eat a lot of 
kind of a mix of like Italian food with like uh, some Latin American flavors as well. So we, of course, appreciated a lot of pastas, a lot of good pizza, as well as some more traditional Latin foods like empanadas. Just really good beef. I don't eat beef that much, but in Argentina, every Sunday, you know, you get together with family and you just basically cook an entire cow or <laughs> over hot coals, you know, and you really enjoy that a lot. That's That's the thing I know about Argentina's food culture is that there is a whole, like, there's a massive culture of like beef butchering and like delicious steaks and things oh yeah well we got the um some of our landscapes are just perfect for uh for just grazing cows and i don't know if it's environment if it's or grass but we we grow good meat there and i think it was also just i don't know like i guess here you know people gather around to uh eat uh like a thanksgiving turkey sure well, there for us, we don't do Thanksgiving turkey. Instead, again, we do a whole cow. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this idea of a whole cow because, like, you get the whole chicken roast pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Whole pig, like, people do a lot in North America. More well, not not a lot, but like you hear about it in like Southern barbecue and yeah. like in a lot of like Asian cultures. But the whole cow is not something I ever hear about. I love this idea. Yeah, and of course, I mean, think back of the um, kind of original. I guess, quote unquote, frontier, the uh, the gaucho, the Argentinian cowboy, right? If you're going to raise a cow and then, you know, use that for, for food, it makes sense to consume all of it, to go ahead and like have everything you can from it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Has um, anyone has anyone made a parody Twitter account yet called Gaucho Marks? Gaucho Marks. Oh, one of the things, so obviously um, when it came to barbecuing, you know, We'd go to our grandparents' house every weekend and have a little barbecue there. They have like a, with like a brick built, uh, I don't know what you call them, cold barbecue. Sure, yeah. We didn't really discover gas barbecues until we came to Canada. Sure, yeah. Um, that was considered weird if you own a <laughs> gas barbecue in Argentina. Um, but, you know, we obviously wouldn't cook a whole cow. We had a few, you know, good cuts. But also, the best part was that since it took a while to, you know, cook something when it's like over coals, it's a slower cooking than gas. Mm. What you'd have as an appetizer was this thing with called choripan. Okay. Where it's just chorizo in like it's a chorizo hot dog in like a baguette bun. Okay. Okay. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you'd have it with this like a, this like green kind of like basil sauce called chimichurri chimichurri yeah yeah awesome um but i remember we never really even put any sauce on it just the chorizo and the bun was just a treat that sounds amazing i love i love chorizo and i love a good hot dog so the sort of chorizo hot dog feels like a really nice uh really nice kind of change yeah Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a step up i feel like here i mean i like a hot dog like anyone else but i feel like you go to south america and a hot dog there is just a little above and beyond what you got here. You sure. know, we, we, why, are we not, why are we not doing this here? Well, I think the issue here is like capitalism, really. Mm. Like it's just capitalism got its hands on everything that we do with our food and made things a little too efficient <laughs> and a little too streamlined, you know? Like I would rather have like, I mean, it's and that's, that's why gas barbecues were weird for you growing up because mm. gas barbecues are so fucking capitalist. And it's like, no, things that take time to cook, we're not going to do that in North America. Fuck that. We need to work and make money or whatever. Everything's 
yeah, prepackaged, right? Like that's it. Like hot dogs, you can buy like a pack of like twenty in one bag. So yeah, who has time to get a chorizo by the strip and you know cook that? What yeah, is that? Exactly. <laughs> that's it. We need to we need to make a move away from you know packaged produce and convenience foods and into chorizo on baguette. God, that sounds so good. I'm grilling tonight. I might just have to pick up some chorizo and make that happen. Yeah, go for it. I love I love the like there's something kind of universal about every culture that does some kind of like slow cooking. Hmm. Like, you know, whatever whatever you're slow cooking on the grill, you're going to have the thing you make while you wait, you know? Because I do the same thing with hot dogs, right? Where I'm like, okay, I've got some chicken. It's going to take like half an hour to make this chicken on the grill. But like, there's no reason I can't slap a couple hot dogs on there so that people have something to eat while we wait, you know? Yeah, no, that's it. Uh, I think especially like, yeah, if, if, if you have kids or there are kids around, you, you got you to gotta give the kids something because they, they want to eat any time, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, they're going to see as soon as the fire is ready, they're like, okay, so when are the hot dogs coming out? And I'm like, I got to like preheat the grill, like we got to clean the grate. Like, it's going to be a minute. It's like, no, but the hot dogs? You said they'd yeah. be hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was, when it came to barbecue, the good thing was that, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of different cuts we'd cook. So kind of like the chicken where, like, every, somebody in the family likes a different piece. I really like what we would call the, uh, in Spanish, tira de asado. Okay. Which I think is part of the ribs. It's, like, super kind of greasy. Like, I think it's mostly, like, fat than meat. But as a kid, it was, like, exactly what I wanted. Sure, yeah. When my family, when we came over to Winnipeg, it was hard to find or find, like, a butcher that could get us the cuts or the meats we used to eat. Sure, yeah. Well, that's it, because Argentina especially has a really rich barbecue culture that is, like, its own thing, you know? Like, obviously, look, you're cutting up a cow, you're gonna you're gonna you're you're both working with the same animal no matter where you are right Mm -hmm. but like the techniques involved the the specific cuts that are done are gonna vary from place to place and like um oh what is is it the matambre is that oh matambre oh yeah i remember that was like usually like served at the table but as a kid the texture and the look of it and the name was never appetizing to me so i don't think i ever tried it sure so it's it's cool to hear about like the sort of different the different global cultures around cooking over fire because it is like one of those things that's just like like cooking over fire is universal right yeah there is nowhere that doesn't do it in some capacity because that is how heat happened first you know (laughs) yeah it's like spoken language right we all had to learn how to communicate but our different regions we all learn to make different sounds yeah well it's like you know we're gonna have different you know no two places are gonna have the same kind of cow because Mm -hmm. those cows are eating the grass from those places right so like they're gonna be a little different no matter what and the people cutting them up are gonna be a little different from each other and they're gonna figure it out differently but at the end of the day everyone's got fire and everyone's got a cow every country can bond over food in that sense because we all enjoy a good cow and a good fire exactly But we're not here specifically to talk about cows today. We are here to talk about tea mm-hmm. and one very specific type of tea called mate. So mate, I did a little research before the show uh, so that I would have a little bit of stuff to say about it myself because I don't have a huge personal experience with it, uh, but I know that you do. But just for a quick little intro to the concept for our listeners, mate, also known as Cimarron, like the Matt Damon cartoon horse movie, is a South American caffeinated infused drink made using the yerba mate plant, which is a relative of holly. Uh, which you might know as a Christmas plant. Uh, It is not a Christmas drink, but it might be nice around Christmas, the warm one, because, you know, warm drinks at Christmas are nice. 
that's up to you. Uh, folks in South America have been drinking it since long before European colonization, and it is also the national beverage of Argentina. So uh, I am assuming you have a bit of a connection to it, since you asked to talk about it today and are from Argentina. Yeah, yeah. I love talking about mate. I love bringing a mate, um, introducing it to France, explaining them the culture. Sure. So yeah, t- tell me about it. Tell me everything. So... Right, uh, Mate, which I just learned, it has another name, Silmarillion. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where Tolkien got the idea. For it. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. No, you mentioned. Anyways, uh, so Mate, yeah, it's kind of like a name. It's a catch-all term for both the the herb you're drinking and the thing you're drinking it from. Um, so there's like the the yerba mate, referring to the actual herb, the the tea leaves, which traditionally you don't put them in a bag and steep them like tea. Instead, you have a gourd for it. You pour the herbs in there. You pour the hot water on top, and then you drink straight from the cup through like a little filtered straw. We call the bombisha. Yeah, you showed me one before we started recording, and that was mm-hmm. very, very cool. I might take a picture of it to post on Instagram before you leave. I should remember to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never seen one of these before. It was really, really neat. Yeah, it's uh, it's super common. Um, the gourds too, like uh, if you pay, if you loan us the bottom, it it looks like a squash because most of them are made from like a hollowed out, dried out squash. Amazing. Nowadays, I feel like if you were to go to like a maybe a Latin American market here. In Montreal, you probably find like uh, more modern glass or plastic cups, but the real stuff is a hollowed-out squash or some other vegetable that solidifies like that. Sure, and it like it maintains some kind of flavor over time too, like a cast iron pan. Yeah, no, that's it. In fact, you're supposed to cure it, where the more you kind of let the mate sit there over time, it kind of builds like a wall around the inside mm-hmm. that kind of keeps the gore of the, the cup from breaking, and it just kind of sits in its own mate coating i love that that's another thing that like you know capitalism tells us we can't have that right because we have Mm -hmm. to keep the cup industry in business by continuing to make new cups so oh yeah no no mate is definitely in fact mate culture is closer to socialism than capitalism Um, (laughs) it's very much about having one cup for a group of people and sharing that amongst the group i like that um so it's funny because my immediate family um, none of them were big Maddie fans. Okay. So instead, I was mostly um, exposed to Maddie through my aunt and just like family friends who would go to the beach in the summer and somebody would, you know, bring out the. There's like thermos specifically made for Maddie almost. Okay. Like, um, because like the lid becomes like a like a pouring cup too. Okay. Um, well, I guess that doesn't really matter because you're pouring the cup. Anyways. There's like thermos that maybe here we'd call it like a coffee thermos or whatever. Sure. But really in Argentina, yeah, fill it up with hot water to pour into mate. So you bring it to the beach with you and somebody has the mate cup. They prepare it. They uh, put the straw in there and you just pass it around. Everybody drinks from the same straw. Nice. There's like the communal element to it. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's a cool straw too. Like uh, the so having the like filter piece at the bottom is really neat and makes a lot of sense for like a loose leaf tea, right? But then like it was also is it like copper or bronze or it was some kind of metal, right? Yeah, um, it's probably not copper because that would get really hot. Sure. Yeah. Though not too hot. Okay, that's the other thing. It's like you can't. I mean, tea experts know this obviously, but you can't put boiling water. It has to be like below 80 degrees or something because otherwise you uh, 
kill the herbs, right? So it has to be hot, but not too hot when right. you pour in. Um, Ideally, you bring the water to a boil, let it sit for like 10 minutes, and then pour it. Yeah, yeah. So hence, like, the thermos is great for kind of keeping it hot, but not mm. too hot. I remember once, super random, but in school, like in grade six, no, no, grade two, this is back in Argentina, we did like a whole fair for like parents and teachers to teach them about Maddie. Okay. And I had to do this like little like demonstration how when you have a kettle and you're pouring the kettle water into the cup, you shouldn't grab a kettle like you normally do. You should instead kind of grab the handle from like underneath. Okay. So that as you tip the water into the kettle, because of the way you're holding it, the water doesn't really pour as fast as if you were holding it the other way. Okay. So I guess it allows the the herbs to be filled with water at a rate that doesn't overwhelm it or drown it. Sure. And it gives you a little bit more control over the like pouring speed as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I just find it funny how I don't know, maybe most people will, you know, put a tea bag in a cup, just pour water on top. But sure. Maddie has like almost like this like traditional almost ceremonial steps to them sure. in the process. Well I love that. There's there is something to be said about ceremonial or like ritual preparations of tea. Like I think that's another thing that like much like cow over fire mm-hmm. is something that has a lot of of sort of analogs globally, right? Of like there is a whole practice of how to do this correctly and like to do it in a way that honors the ingredients and honors the process. Yeah, that's it. And that's why I think I love kind of telling people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I bring it somewhere, like if we go camping, I love explaining to people what it's about and the whole concept of like, yeah, like sharing the straw or like, you know, maybe letting the, the water and the herbs soak in first because it's also a learning experience for a lot of people. It's part of my culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that way, not only am I sharing the Mate physically, but I'm also sharing the Mate culturally yeah absolutely i love that and and i think with drinks especially like well food and drinks but like there's something about a drink especially a drink that is like typically shared right like passed around Mm -hmm. that is such a like visceral and human way to share culture right is to like pass a drink to someone and say like here try this like that's such a there's something so not to just say like universal again but there's something universal about that experience of like here take this right for sure and i think that's what's great about it in argentina or even here if you see somebody with a mate it it is totally considered normal to just ask someone if you can have a sip with that right um which i guess is probably not something that canadians would find super normal i think that here people are a bit less uh inclined to like freely share their tea but yeah especially in these uncertain times (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah no that that's a thing though um yeah you all drinking from the same straw doesn't really uh (laughs) it's not the it's uh you know it 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 has its it has its concerns (laughs) but yeah but i think as a as a practice as a like there's Pandemic aside, I think that it is a, like, really beautiful practice to, like, get in the habit of, like, sharing things with people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, that's not even, you know, it doesn't have to be a deep thought. It's just, yeah, it's good to share. Like, share with people, show them that you care about them, and show them that you think that they're worth sharing with, you know? Yeah, and I think that's kind of extends to from... 
I remember in Argentine culture, probably in Europe too, but I remember in Argentina, the normal greeting is to do that, you know, like a European kind of like side kiss by the cheek. Sure. And no matter who you meet in Argentina, that's how you greet them. Okay. Um, so right away, the first thing you do meeting anyone is to do that little kiss. Right. Right. And I think about that and I think about the Mate and... Again, I feel like I don't want to put down like Canadian camp mannerism so much. I'm just pointing out the differences that I think there's something a bit more intimate or physical sure. about that kind of aspect of that culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that no, I, I think it's okay to like take a like like you're not being critical of Canadian culture by praising Argentine culture. You know, like that they it doesn't have to be so black and white like that. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's okay to be critical of Canadian <laughs> culture. You've lived in it long enough. Like. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just funny. That's, you know, that's why I like like introducing people to Mate because again, the idea of drinking from the same straw yeah. takes like a moment to digest. Like, oh, this is okay. We can we're doing this. Oh, yeah, okay. totally. <laughs> it's the it's the sort of communality of it that is uh, like it can throw people off who are not used to it. But mm-hmm. then once you're past that initial thing, it's like okay, yeah. Like what what's what's any weirder about this than like passing a joint around or like sharing any other kind of drink like you know like people will say like oh this is delicious you've got to try this in in any other context too like it's there's not it doesn't have to be weird to share your drink again we're in a we're in a global pandemic like right obviously health things aside like the sort of cultural thing of sharing doesn't need to be as weird as we make it you know yeah that's a good point yeah how some things i guess have become normal we don't think twice about uh yeah maybe uh, passing a j around but uh <laughs> other things like yeah maybe sharing a straw for people there's something about i guess the whole action of sucking on something sure that, wait but then that's a j a joint but it's kind of like a straw that's the thing right like what is <laughs> <laughs> what is a straw but a wet cigarette that, that's it it's, it's it's certainly i don't know to me like if i think about like i'm someone who's like a little bit like germ averse right marvel cinematic germ averse like I used to take communion when I was a church person and like that feels grosser to me than sharing a straw mm. because you're directly drinking from the cup instead of drinking from the straw. Like, I don't know, especially, I mean, thinking about it. No. Well, I guess having the filter there does not actually help with backwash because that stays in the straw. So maybe, it, but but also, do you backwash more into a straw than when you drink directly from a cup? I don't think so. Probably you backwash less into a straw. Yeah, I guess there's less, like, contact. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I it mean... It feels better to me to, to use a straw anyway. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's smaller. But funny thing is, like, back home in Winnipeg, because my family doesn't really drink Mate, so if I'm ever having it, it's just, like, by myself. So I get the straw all to myself. And sure. And <laughs> I don't have to, like, worry about, you know, any anything cross contaminations but i don't think anyone really thinks of that sure yeah yeah i mean it's it's yeah i don't know it's it's tricky <laughs> yeah because well i remember too like the the owner of che churro uh argentinian fellow like myself you know he used to uh have a mate drink he'd drink it you know and he used to offer it to customers who came in you know looking for a churro sure but well can't do that anymore right sure yeah <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. Great churro place also for mm-hmm. anyone in the in the Montreal area who's looking for churros. I'll put a link in the description. It's uh, really nice. All right, we're going to take a quick minute here and hop into the mid-roll. 
If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of July, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need, so by doing the simple, free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six, so so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. All right, that's it for me. Let's get back to the rest of the show. Do you remember your like first experience of Mate? Ooh, probably, yeah. It must have been in like this summer at the beach. And this won't have been like my mom or dad. Yeah, I never really drank Mate. They wouldn't have the uh, paraphernalia either. Sure. Um, so definitely some family <laughs> friends must have brought it with them, with us. And I remember, yeah, like I'm at the beach and it's it's hot. It's like a hot tea, but you'd still drink it summer or winter. Sure. Um, well, filling your body with hot stuff in the summer makes your outside of your body cooler. Oh, that's, cool. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's real or if that's just a thing that... I was told when I was young so that I would eat soup in the summer, but huh. it feels real. Yes, so I guess it, uh, <laughs> hmm. but yeah, I remember the, 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 the taste. Cause okay. So the, the taste is pretty bitter. Uh, some people will throw in like sugar with water or like they'll add like flavorings, but the OG yerba mate is generally bitter. It's, it's a like strong taste. Sure. And yeah, there was like this bitterness to it. Um, but also this, like, because you're drinking again, yeah, with, like, this, like, filtered straw. So you can almost taste the, the herb itself. Like, it's more, like, herby, like, natural flavor there. Sure. I don't know if, as a kid, if I necessarily liked it. Because I think as a kid, I just really like the sweet things or sure. things that were, like, automatically gratifying. But maybe the taste was just so particular and it was just fun to like have this like cup pass to you where they pour water on it and i don't know i i can't remember if i necessarily liked it or not but i just remember like wanting to have some like i'm at the beach someone's giving me something i'll have some i feel like there's something tell me if this resonates but there's something about especially when you're a kid if an adult passes you something that the adults are all doing Mm -hmm. and they say this is okay for you to also take part in there's something kind of exciting about that, right? Even if the thing doesn't immediately appeal to you, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to be a part of this club. I think that's it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, here are the adults, you know, having this like thing, and it's like, I actually did that once, kind of random. But I remember once I uh, walked into my parents having pork chops. Okay. Uh, I remember they were like oven baked with like sliced apples on top. Sure. And like I think raisins too. And like I remember like asking like, oh, can I have some? And ever since then, they, like, included me in their pork chop dinners. <laughs> sure. Um, but anyways, it felt like, I don't know, I felt like I'd grown up. Because we didn't, like, we wouldn't eat pork, like, pork chops, you know, something that was really, like, me and my siblings wouldn't have that in a regular, you know, dinner menu. But so I felt like I'd grown up. Oh, look at me having pork chops. Ooh. Right. This is my fancy adult food. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's, like, mad day, especially, yeah, when you got, like, um... Yeah, like, you know, the family friends having it, they pass some to you. It's like, oh, cool. I'm a, I'm a little, you know, cool little kid. I'm a fancy grown-up. Um, so I think that's also why it feels cool to 
drink mate here in Canada. I don't drink it as much, but when I do, the flavor is still very much the flavor that I remember from childhood. Cool. Okay. Um, and it also feels cool to be able to have this thing that I used to have when I was like younger and make it myself and like enjoy that and kind of have that sort of control and be able to bring something back from from my past. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like drinking nostalgia a little bit. That's it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I was trying to remember the first time that I had one because I, yeah, I mean, it's not a huge thing here. Like I'm, I used to live around the corner from a cafe called Mate Latte. Oh, fun. But I don't remember ever seeing it on the menu there. Huh. I'm not really sure what the deal was. They sold empanadas that were very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's kind of the closest they got to like being South American. I don't know. And now it's owned by Korean people and it's like a Korean restaurant as well that just kept the name. So I really don't know what's up with that place. Um, but I did have it once at a venue in the plateau called Casa del Popolo um, that uh, is also like a little like bar or cafe and has, you know, a little stage and did music shows and whatnot and i had a cold one that was canned and i'm wondering how you feel about that because obviously you know you said the word paraphernalia which i think is very (laughs) funny because we were just comparing it to passing a joint around right there's a traditional cup to drink it out of a traditional straw to drink it out of and it's typically served as a hot drink so what's up with a canned cold mate what what's going on there i mean if you're gonna sell and I guess market something to a bigger audience a bigger market it does make sense to extend to other you know forms of product in the same way that coffee is now you know iced coffee cold brew frappuccinos it feels like the logical next step in the capitalist machine of beverages yeah yeah (laughs) and I I know there's like that angle of like ooh yerba mate you know it's like quinoa has this like you know South American sort of uh, flavor or texture or context to it that I think a lot of people here eat up or drink up. Sure, yeah. Um, and hey, if they enjoy it, if people like, I mean, did you enjoy your uh, cold Maddie? I remember liking it. Yeah, I, I I remember thinking, oh, this is really nice. It's like a it's like an herbier iced tea. Yeah, and like I I you know I am someone who likes herbs and I'm someone who likes iced tea, so I remember it going over pretty well. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people enjoy that. I think I've had that too. It's good. Um, I, like I said, even like the the stuff you drink from the cup, a lot of people will add flavoring to it or even sugar. Okay. Personally, I just drink it like straight with the herbs, no sugar or anything. Um, but heck, I imagine that for some very like, you know, orthodox Matty drinkers, even adding sugar to it would be, you know, unheard of. Sure. So who am I to say, <laughs> you know, what's too far with Matty? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, like, people should be allowed to consume whatever foods and drinks bring them joy mm-hmm. in whatever way brings them joy. Yeah, and hey, you know what? If people, if this is how people hear about Mate and learn a bit about South America that way, then that's great. Yeah, super fair. Would, is there, um, this is like, so... Y- behind the curtain a lot of the time when i'm asking my guest questions about the thing they're leading questions where do you know the answer or at least have a vague sense of what the answer is going to be Mm. this one just popped into my head and i genuinely have no idea are there foods that you would typically eat with it hmm well normally mate something you have like a kind of like a first thing in the morning or kind of like you know maybe in the afternoon if you're studying sure so Mostly like a 
any kind of snack you can kind of put on a little plate, even just like crackers or like a, you know, like a croissant or nothing fancy, really. Sure. So anything you would do with coffee. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not, you wouldn't necessarily have like a pastry with it, not something like super sweet. Sure. Yeah, just, uh, we don't really do muffins, but I don't know, like some, some kind of like, yeah, like some cookie or not really, yeah, nothing fancy. Okay, okay. I'm feeling like, to me, to me, this sounds like it would be really nice with like a, just a buttered bagel. Mm. Like not a, nothing fancy going on on the bagel, just like a toasted bagel with some butter. Yeah. Sounds like it would have a nice sort of like crunch and salt factor to like pair well with like an herby drink. That's actually great, yeah, because I'm picturing, like, yeah, like, the strong, bitter taste of Mate. You kind of want to mix that up with something that's, like, more, like said, buttery. Yeah, where it's, like, the bagel's not going to be, like, sweet in a, like, cloyingly sweet way, right? Because I, I hear you with, like, you don't necessarily want to eat a pastry with this. Like, that doesn't feel like the right combo. You want something that's a little bit more sort of, like, neutral almost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember we had these cookies. Uh, the biggest brand was called Nueva de Oro. Uh, we call them Gachetitas de Grasa, which is, like, Grease cookies. Okay, sure. <laughs> and they were like just like really, just really like imagine like a really thick cracker that was like super buttery. Oh hell yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like I guess if you took like the bagel with butter and turned it into a cookie, you could just eat as a cookie. Sure. That's exactly why that thing goes great with a matte. Hell yeah, like a butter cookie almost. Yeah, like yeah. a savory butter cookie. Ooh, okay, yeah. No, I'm into it. Yeah, I love I love to think about like pairings of things like this, especially when it comes to like drinks. Because I'm, I like drinks, but I think I'm more of a food person than a drink person. Okay. But like, so to me, like a drink has to like have a food that complements it, you know? Does it happen to you that like, if you have a drink by itself, you start really wishing you had like something to eat besides yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's it. That's exactly it. Like, even if I know that I'm just getting a coffee, I'm like, ah, oh, but like, like I know that what I need right now is coffee. But what I want is coffee and like a, a cookie or a scone or like a biscotti or something, you know? Yeah, like you feel like you're having half the thing. That's it. That's it. It's like it's not going to be as satisfying if I don't also have something to munch on with it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even like a cheese bread kind of mm. like a cheesy biscuit. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember there was this like there were like it's like a bowls of like dough and cheese we used to eat. You could get it at the store. I think their name originally comes from Brazil, so I don't remember what the name is. Would that be the Padaqueo? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Brazilian thing. Yeah. That's actually kind of exactly what I was thinking would be good with this. Yeah. Yeah, a little cheese ball. Because mm. that's the other thing, right? Like, something super herby with, like, a sharp, cheesy flavor. I like that. Do you like herbal cheese? Yeah. If it's good. Because mm. sometimes it can be gimmicky, but if it's done well, Yeah. Because yeah, I guess that kind of skips the middleman where it's like, oh, okay, let's just put the herbs <laughs> and the cheese all in one. Ooh, I'm going to Google real quick if anyone has made a, a cheese out of mate. Huh. Oh, of course they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course this exists. Mate cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold up. No, I'm seeing a cheese-flavored mate. Hang on. Oh, that's wait. not what I'm looking for. That's the wrong direction. Okay, see, cheese-flavored mate, that, that, that's, no, that's, no, let's, let's throw a line there. Yeah, that feels wrong to me. What I'm looking for is like a, like a cheese with like a washed rind, but the rind is, is mate, you know? Yeah, I feel like you can't really eat that, or I don't know, I just don't imagine that being a good experience. 
Because I remember getting like sometimes if like the mate is too powdery or too small, you'll mm. get some of it through the straw. Okay. And that's not a fun time. Like you can't really chew on it. It's very it's very stiff. Sure. Yeah. But that's that's why I'm thinking like a wash strand as opposed to like not mixing it into the milk, but like as the cheese is is you know cheesing. Mm. I don't know what the word for that is. Fermenting. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Um. You like soak it. Mm. so that the outside gets that flavor and you get that rind kind of developing. Okay. And it permeates a little bit, but you don't get the flakes inside, you know? That opens up a whole like, notion of, can you do it with any tea leaves? Can you have like a rooibos cheese? That's what I'm wondering, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you can, theoretically, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if anyone has and if it's good. You can put that gif of Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park where it's like the scientists were too busy wondering if they could that they never stopped to ask that they should. I'm so upset that the first result here is the same brand that made the, the cheese flavored <laughs> mate also did a cheese flavored ribus. This is not what I want, people. This is not what I want. I don't want to have tea with cheese. Uh, no, that no. I just want a cheese that tastes a little like bergamot or something, you know, like that's that's mm. all. That's all. I mean, you can just get your loose leaf from David's tea and sprinkle that on your favorite cheese. <laughs> get that extra crunch, little dry factor. Oh yeah, wash it down with some hot water. <laughs> oh, here's a here's a final a final kind of question on this one. While we're talking about alternate uses for it, baked goods can this go in a baked good as a flavor? No, I've never seen it done. Yeah, I don't know the scientific reason for this or like good explanation, but I've never seen it done as far as i know it's only ever really used for like drinking sure uh yeah again it's like a very bitter super caffeinated thing uh so i never heard of that Uh, and i feel like also because remember that it's something that you can't uh put too hot water like Water can't be too hot when you pour it. It's very easy to kill it. Right. So baking it would be tricky because, like, same concept. You you could kill it in the baking. That's uh, it. But could you turn it into a tiramisu? <laughs> soak the soak the biscuits in it. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, I mean, there's, like, desserts that have, like, matcha in them. Yeah. Right. They have that flavoring. So I'm sure you can do that with Mate. Although, again, the flavor is like kind of strong. So I don't know if that's something that would work as a dessert, but I guess there's a way to do it. Yeah. I got, it's one of those things where it's like if, if someone else wants to do this experiment for us and report back, go for mm. it. <laughs> no, again, yeah. Like having like a, the cold, the, the kind of like, yeah, carbonated cold Mate, that's great because, you know, you're not striving, straying too far from sure. what it is. So, you know, <laughs> drinking a tea. But I feel like on some level, it's like when you go to like a gift shop, at like a like a cheese or like an apple, like picking area, and they have like every single thing made from that thing. It's like okay, at this point, we're just trying to like <laughs> sell stuff without thinking. Like, is this actually any good? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe we need to resist that urge to uh, to you know stretch a a product as far as humanly possible and just let let something be good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay, so so final kind of deep question here. Okay. If you were to introduce a new person to Mate today, what would be what you'd want to try to communicate to them about it in the process? Mm. I would want to tell them every step. I really want to like tell the the whole story of 
here's the the thing here's the um the cup you know here's a straw that we call the bombisha you know here's here's like the water and how you know you pour in the water first just to kind of like um like pre prep the the herbs mm. and then you start pouring in the the water you're going to drink from and then you all drink from the same straw and then you pass it around and you keep refilling it so i will walk them through for the whole process and get through the fact that like yeah we're all going to drink from the same straw i uh i think that is part of it and then the second part is just yeah it's just just doing it just uh passing them the cup and having them experience that first sip of mate i think you know a lot of people don't know what the flavor is like it's not quite like most teas so sure. I-, I love seeing that i love people grabbing the cup for the first time i love pouring the water so you can drink from the straw and just that moment where they almost discover a new flavor having it and the fact that I got to tell them this story so they understand exactly what it's all like. That's what I love, and that's what I want to do when I have Maddie with new people. Sure, yeah. Share that experience, share that story, share the sort of... Uh, I mean, it's it's about sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Do you have, like, recommendations of, like, where to get it here? Yes. So if you are in the kind of plateau area... I know there's the uh, Librerie Espanol okay. that, besides selling a whole bunch of Latin American and European products, they have Mate. Okay. And, of course, the uh, Che Churro down on Somerled has that as well. Anywhere, usually, that has, like, kind of Latin American goods will, will sell Mate. Sweet. Um, good brands are always uh, Rosamonte or Taragui. And if you're looking for a more bitter Mate... You can have the ones that say sin palo. Okay. Uh, that means like uh, without the stems. Okay. Um, so that's more herb than stem, more leaf than stem, which is then more bitter. Um, if you like a less bitter taste, you can have it. Um, if it doesn't say sin palo, you can assume that then there's like stems in the mix. Okay. So that's less bitter and more well-rounded. Interesting. Are the stems sweeter or just like, or is it just yeah. more concentrated without them? I think it's just that, yeah, without the stems, there's just then more leaves, okay. which are the more bitter parts. So right, yeah, yeah. the stems kind of kind of buffer that and makes it a bit more or less, less bitter. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Huh, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm uh, I'm excited to... You've got me thinking about Chichero now, so I'm probably going to have to like do mm-hmm. a little Chichero run this week at some point and get like everything because they've got good empanadas there too. Yes, like, yes, oh, they do. They've got empanadas, they've got churros... And they also have a lot of like exported American goods. So if you want to try those uh, grease cookies, you should. Heck yeah. Love me a grease cookie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, before I let you go, do you have any final words of wisdom or any plugs that you want to share with people, stuff you want them to check out? Now is the chance. I think I like to uh, plug in Mate. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, I don't know, you get the chance to uh, try it in any shape or form, uh, whether it's a uh, Perhaps a cold uh, brew mate they sell in cans or even just uh, in like a tea bag. Uh, maybe next time you see the word mate show up somewhere, give it a try. <laughs> Explore. Taste. Listen to this episode while you do it. Get meta with it. Get meta oh, with your mate. That's it. Yeah, I guess we're sharing this knowledge of mate the same way one shares from the mate. And I hope we all get to drink from the same straw of cultural wisdom. Whatever that means. <laughs> Love it.
Love that. All right. Well, Gab, thank you so much for joining me on No Bad Food. And thanks, as always, for your support of the show over the years. It means a lot. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you for having me. It's fun. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, as well as Kendallin, Thomas, Anne, Erica, Carlea, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, and Sarah. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, uh, get their cheese lines read by me, get a uh, custom deep dive episode uh, dedicated to whatever food topic they want, and so many other things. So if that sounds exciting to you, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher choice and by sharing this with a friend our theme music is by zach herbal t ingles and our cover art is by david special straw flam you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode and last but certainly not least the show is produced and edited by me tom zalatni as part of the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com see you next week you understand it just takes a little time I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upford Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that so is mind control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so close. It's, it's,